the Tenuous Links podcast, home of the Golf Barons. Offering bloviated opinions on all things golf, discussing the game's biggest problems and some solutions to them as loosely as possible. Come add some swagger to your swing. Hello Barons, welcome to the Tenuous Links Golf Podcast, home of Golf Barons, now playing on KO and Foxtel On Demand. Now today on the show, it'll just be me, Shooter, and the one and only Grumpy Phil. Philly? So just the three of us? Oh, you said me, Shooter, and Grumpy Phil, so... Wow. Oh, you meant you. Off to a good start, and Phyllis. Me. And I'm not grumpy, I'm not grumpy, Phil. Well you, well, you were coined that by one of our listeners, Phil. I was, Shooter, and I have an apology from said listener. You do not. And I'm going to read it verbatim, so bear with me. Hi, Phil. It's Ben from Hollywell. Oh, no. Uh, swagger at golfparents.com if you've got any similar feedback and you'd like to apologise to me. I wanted to write to you directly to apologise for calling you Grumpy Phil. <laughs> it was a quip based on my thoughts that you had been confusing success in tour wins with success in bank balance of some of our Australian professional golfers. Grumpy may not have been the correct term used. I thought he was pretty spot on, to be perfectly frank. Now, uh, this will probably give away the fact that uh, I, I know Grumpy Ben or, or Ben from Hollywell, but I've known you for nearly two decades <laughs> and I've always known But this is from the heart. Listen up. I've known you for nearly two decades and have always known you to be extremely passionate, direct, forthright, opinionated, eloquent, and some would say occasionally aroused. Eloquent? Uh, doesn't know you uh, that well. I would say grumpy is an unfair moniker. Hang on, but this is the killer. I fear that if I send this retraction email to Damien, there is a chance it will not be presented in the correct <laughs> manner, hence my direct communication. <laughs> oh, it's all set up. Anyway, apology accepted, uh, Ben from Hollywell, but just as there was an apology, there was also a whack. And not to me. Oh, this is no. Ben from Canberra. What have I done? What is it with Ben's? No, it's not even about you. It would be fair to say that some concern was expressed about Dav's suggestions about how to handle pressure. Uh, and in fact, I think the suggestion was that um, it flies in the face of everything Bob Rotella has ever spoken about. And if he were to have presented that at university, his lecturers may well have um, flipped out. Now, I, I proposed that to Dav... And he referred me to a book, and this might actually summarise me in many respects. It's called The Antidote, Happiness for People Who Can't Stand Positive Thinking. <laughs> so there was some science behind what he was talking about. For you or written by you. That's right. That's right. And then the last point before we get on to the serious stuff. I just want to call out, and this could have been a love, but the genius of our flagstick segment during our season one and season two um, of Golf Parents. And one of the things that you learn, and, and we like to pay homage to history, and one of the things that I learned, thanks to you, Shooter, was about Walter Travis. The great Walter Travis. The great Walter Travis, one of the great players of his era. The Molden born, so Central Victoria Goldfields, born three times US amateur champion and course designer. And his name came up in a, in a tweet um, from the Society of Golf Historians, who are fantastic in terms of their content. And I couldn't help myself, and I had to make reference to the Schenectady putter. Mm, which he popularised, Phil. Which he popularised, and in fact, 45 years after he won, it was banned for 45 years after he won the British Amateur in 1904 uh, by the RNA because they didn't like centre-shafted putters. So Walter Travers, flagstick. Without flagstick, I would have had no idea what was going on. I'm done. We've had a big week in golf. There's a lot to talk about, so we won't stall for, for much longer. But the playoffs, the FedEx Cup playoffs, what an incredible um, incredible finish we just saw uh, over the weekend. It brought me to something that I actually love. I know there was a lot of tension out there between 
Bryson and uh, Patrick Cantlay, but I love watching a sporting anti-hero go about their business. <laughs> that player who's equal parts hero and villain, you know, they're really complex characters. And obviously, obviously I'm talking about Bryson. He's just, he makes me laugh, Phil. He's one of those guys you look at, he's almost a caricature of himself. <laughs> he reminds me, he reminds me of, um, of, that, of the nerd trying to prove it's cool to be nerdish post-school. He's in there. He's out there pumping weights. All the things that he didn't do. He's pumping weights. He's you know absolutely jacked. He's reinventing the way to play the game, and he's succeeding at it too. To be fair, but he still has this chip on his shoulder towards the more sporting types from school, and I find it just I find it rather entertaining, if not at times nauseous. <laughs> there was a point where during the playoff, and, and it was enthralling, and it'll get to a game changer that I've got, but it, it was absolutely enthralling. It was captivating television watching these two distinct personalities, techniques, and not polar opposites, just unique characters. But Bryson, to your point, actually had a look on his face at one stage. He was very flushed. And I, I started to wonder whether or not he was not even believing the character that he's created of himself, in that I just want to go into my shell and just be able to maintain it. But everyone's expecting me to be not even the clown. It's almost the fool. And I, I love what Bryson's Done. And I love what he, the potential for what he can do for the game, as opposed to the, what he can harm he could do for the game. But I think there's a point where you you just have to buy in completely. But he he absolutely is that anti-hero though in golf at the moment, isn't he? Patrick Reed to a degree had it for a while, but he's um he's taken over that mantle with a plum. Uh, he has, and I think Patrick Reed did have it. And I think if you go back to to some people who've unfairly been cast in that same role, Colin Montgomery was much had his fans but was much sort of taunted because they knew they could niggle and get a rise out of him. And I think this is the concern now is that, you know, I'd even referred to um, in one of the articles that Bryson, who's walking to the scorer's tent or walking off after losing the playoff, someone waited until he was six feet past them because they're so bold, you know, with massive kahunas. Like, like if you're going to have a go at someone, make sure they're looking you in the eye. But then said, whatever it was, well played, Brooksy. Yeah. And Bryson turned around and, and had a crack. But if... If you've got any courage and you want to be a smartass because you're three quarters cut at a golf tournament because they thought it was a good idea to feed you as much beer as you could drink, then wait until they're in front of you and looking in the eye. Don't wait till they're past you and have a snipe. But is that being created by the fact that that Bryson is going to bite every time? Like He's set it up now that people know he's going to react. It doesn't matter. You know, think of kids. They'll keep pushing them until they get the reaction if they know they're going to get the reaction. So he's this is it goes back to what I was just saying earlier, where he he he's still at high school. In many ways, he's still at high school, and he can't seem to get that chip off his shoulder. It's really immature. Like it really annoyed me that he stole Patrick Cantlay's moment from him. It was overshadowed by Bryson's petulance in a lot of ways. Um, Cantlay, calm, cool kind of guy, non-confrontational. He's had some pretty traumatic life experiences along the way, including um, when he lost his friend and caddy to that um, hit-run accident back in 2016, I think it was. And he just comes across as a guy with perspective on life. And then there's Bryson there sooking it up because he sees him walking or, or um, he's getting into verbal stouches with fans, as you just said, for someone calling him Brooksy, and then refusing to talk to the media post what was one of the most enthralling playoffs we've seen on the PGA Tour. It's it's just pretty distasteful for mine, if not totally Bryson. But he hasn't spoken to the media for a long time. I mean, even going back to probably that Rocket Mortgage 
classic that Cam Davis then won. So it's not even not, not storming, but not storming off in the way that he did and refused to talk to them. Though, I feel like this was this was a clear. I'm not talking to anyone. I've cracked the sads. But again. You know, good luck to him. I thought he was all unfairly done by and harshly done by. There was a, a still photo which spoke about his lack of respect for Cantlay winning when they were shaking hands. Neither were looking at each other. Um, it's just that because Bryson's so easy to pot that he was the one lambasted for it and Cantlay wasn't mentioned. But they weren't looking at each other and, and because they were both on it. So you look each other in the eye and if one of them just chooses to look away, at least the photo will be of Cantley looking at Bryson and Bryson looking at a mirror. I've, I've watched that a couple of times though now, or more than a couple of times. I've got a different take on it. I think Cantley does go to look him in the eye and then when he realises it's not they're not looking at each other, he awkwardly just goes along with it and goes the other way. So Can I, I just ask, has anyone, whilst you've been playing golf, ever asked you to stop walking before they're about to hit a shot? Has anyone ever started? No, I don't think so, no. Not that I can recall. And can you imagine what, what that uh, would have happened had that uh, comment been made? Let's say two people were paired to each other at Keelor Golf Course or even downtown Compton Golf Course. Stop walking during my backswing. Uh, in fact, before I'd even hit it, things might get a little bit icier than just not shaking hands on 18. But would you not, would it bother you if someone said, can you stop walking? Well, I'm so, wouldn't you just go, yeah, sure. Do you know, I, I probably would have thought to myself, which I reckon is what Cantlay thought to myself yeah. Ooh, is that, whoops, did I geez, you know, I probably lost some awareness about that. I probably should just stop walking. Um, so that's the that's the reality. And post round, he he was very dismissive of it as well. He didn't. He's done everything to not make this into a big deal. He's a class act, Patrick Cantlay, and I think he's been overshadowed by this this baby. I did baby Yeah, I, I agree with that I, I did like though, and, and I suppose it's you just start to pick up these little things. Bryson was lining up the drive on the last playoff hole. And out of the bottom right-hand corner of the screen, you just saw Cantlay's driver move up and down a couple of times. And I thought, I just wonder whether he's a really, like deep down, a really good match play player. And he's a bit got a bit of sevy in him. He's just got a bit of fruitcake, just enough fruitcake. i tell you what I didn't like, though. So I really, I, I really like that take. i tell you what I didn't like. Now, I might have had a go at Azinger a few times, or a Zinger, as I far prefer to call him. Cantlay holds the putt to win the tournament. And... Before Bryson's hold, uh, had a go at his, and Azinger has declared that he was due. So he was due to hole one. He was forty-five from forty-five inside five feet. Yeah, he was dropping everything. He was fourteen point five eight strokes gained compared to the field, the highest ever since that stat's been kept. He's hold killer putt after killer putt, including on Aiden in regulation, and Zinger gives it the. Uh, he was due for that one, right? What really? Was he really? You're a, you are a dead set genius, Azinger. Now this, this no wonder Sevy hated you. This isn't the first time you've aimed your rifle in <laughs> Paul Azinger's uh, direction. I feel there's a I feel there's a bit of long time angst being harboured by your good self towards the American major winner. Would it be fair to say you're not a huge fan in general? I I, I just happen to like Europeans. I happen to like European golf. I happen to like Sevy or loved Sevy and Jose Maria. Um, and I just think that sometimes bad blokes are just bad blokes. Uh, and needing to state the obvious time after time, and even Sung Im hitting his second shot into 18, oh, he's the poster, you know, I'll do my best as Zinja in person, he's the poster boy of slow backswings. Um, Not a like, great one. But, no, it's a terrible one. But why, what, what does that even mean? He's the poster boy for slow backswings. What, who cares? Anyway. Colin Morikawa's got a slow backswing and a Zynga has never mentioned it. Hideki's got a slow backswing. Whew. I'm only just building up to my rants too, but I've got a game changer. 
But I think there's something in what happened. And we talk about how enthralling that couple of hours was. One whole match play tournament. This is genius. Right. So, And it's all based on what happened with Bryson Cantlay. So you halve it, you go to the next. So you've got 36 players, two on each hole, one through 18. If you halve it, you go to the next. If you win, your day's done. So is this a 15-minute tournament? No, no, but it also could be a three-day tournament. Yeah, yeah no, because the, the organisers are going to love you, yeah. Because they just keep going. So you're just not quite sure what's happening. But they talk about in basketball. Oh, I don't know why basketball hasn't just played the last 30 seconds, which shits me to tears, yeah, just said, so we get that explicit it, warning. I'm pretty much, I say that daily. Just as basketball, therefore, should only be played the last 30 seconds, maybe golf should only be played the last hole. Because that was more enthralling than the, than the 54 or, or 73 or 71 holes beforehand. From that 18th, the whole way through the playoff. So therefore, let's cut to the chase. Just like basketball should have a 30-second tournament, one hole, match play, Genius. Okay, now I'd like to, I want to throw some support behind you, Phil. I'm finding it harder and harder each week when you bring up these (laughs) kinds of game changes. The thing that made it so enthralling was that it was was effectively a match play. So why would you not just keep it at match play? It is match play. No, but I'm saying you've still got to, you don't have to be one hole, just play a normal match play event. No, no, because if it's one hole, each hole is sudden death. So the winner of, the, the first person to win a hole wins the whole thing that's sudden so it wasn't exciting because it was match so, so it's not a, we're not about the the merit of the golfer now we're just about yeah. fluke form. flukiness form and getting lucky with a shot form on one hole i understand there are drawbacks to the idea but what was enthralling about the playoff was not that it was match play it was that the first mistake will cost them a tournament and even when bryson hit it into the water and it was it was a remarkable four that he made for the half Everyone thought it's done because it was sudden death. And the, the excitement is in the sudden death, not the match play. Because again, until you get to hole 14 or 15, when the match is square or, or either player is one down, match play is not that enthralling. It's more about the golf course and everything else. So let's just cut to the chase, one hole match play. And if you keep halving them, you might end up playing 36 holes. I have a feeling you'll be receiving a retraction to the retraction from Ben from Hollywell. <laughs> Uh, if you thought that was bad, I've got another one. Oh, here we go. <laughs> now, now this, uh, John Rahm called out, and I think quite rightly, that the FedEx Cup too much relies on the Tour Championship. So you can win the BMW and you can win the other one, um, which was so well marketed, I can't remember what it was called. Uh, what was the first one called? Doesn't Northern remember. Trust, wasn't it? You can win event number one and event number two. Oh, yeah, of course, Northern Trust. You can win event number one and event number two but only start two shots ahead in event number three. So you can win you can win shot number one, shot number two, uh, event number one and two, come third in event number three and not win the big prize. So it doesn't seem fair, does it? So given that we spoke about hunter versus hunted, I reckon we've got an idea here for hunting. So it's a reverse grid or, or a handicap event. So the leader going into the final FedEx Cup event actually starts four shots, gives up four shots to the field or five shots to the field. And his job is to actually just beat the field. But the kicker for him is if he beats the field, he gets 15 million. Anyone else in the field who wins, they get five. He'll still get a five million bonus for winning the FedEx Cup. So he still gets the same as the best player in that last event. So he still gets five. But if he chases the field down, because then you're going to see, and even if it was the top five players chasing the field down, you are going to see them firing at every flag every single time hunting 
So you're saying let's let's pay them more money for playing exciting attacking golf. Have I heard this feels <laughs> like an absolute bastardization of my game changer from a month or so back that you and Kipper both poo-pooed mm. right away. I understand Kipper bagging it because he just couldn't understand the vagaries of it, but you feel of all people to dismiss it so contemptuously only to now steal it, rebrand it, and try and sell it mm. back to me as your own conception. That's a step too far. And um, you are, in fact, grumpy Phil from now on. I award you no I points, did. and may God have mercy on your side. I don't sound grumpy. I sound excited. And oh. one thing I will concede about Hell your on. idea, one thing I'll concede about your idea is the day after we recorded that podcast, I actually said, you know, I've considered what you're talking about, and I quite like it. <laughs> um, yes, it's just that I didn't... <laughs> My brain was a bit slow to digest it on the day. But but a reverse grid where the leader has to hunt down the field, I think is exciting. And so my my um, anyone else, in fact, I've said it here, top five give up one, two, three, four or five shots to the field, depending on what their, their rank was in reverse order. And they hunt them down. Anyone else wins, they get two and a half. Fifth place wins. If he wins, it gets five million. Fourth place will get six. Third, seven. Second, eight or ten. And if you're going in as the the most handicapped store gift style, and you win it, take 15 million bucks and you're hunted down a field of elite players and it's attacking golf and exciting and edge of your seat viewing. Great idea by me. Three <laughs> oh, votes. Great Game idea changer. by you. Oh, I see, seriously, this is probably a good time to say if there's any feedback, please send it to us <laughs> via swagger at golfbarons.com. I'm tipping it won't be overly favourable, Philly. The only feedback we're going to get will be from Tony Rosenberg saying... I'm going to do it. I tell you, there's two events he'll say, I'm going to run. And one is a handicapped event where you've got to hunt down the leader. And the second one will be the one whole match play. It, really, you know my number, Tone, Big T. You don't, actually. <laughs> Philly, you've got me almost throwing my clubs uh, at the <laughs> suggestion of claiming my idea. But um, we saw a few clubs thrown over the weekend. Yeah, poorie, fair dinkum. Every time, he's like the godfather. Or part two, Godfather part two. Every time I think I'm out, he pulls me back in. Every time I think I like him again, he just goes and behaves like a dickhead. Who are you talking about, Phil? Pori? <laughs> Sorry, can you be more specific? Uh, 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 Rory McElroy. Uh, I'll stop calling him Pori now because I think his name deserves to be spoken like Voldemort or not spoken. What are you doing? What's he doing? Now, far be it from me to beat up on Rory McElroy. Mm, yes, but, far be it. But, but. <laughs> but he's a serial offender when it comes to these temper tantrums. He continually displays a lack of lack of having any perspective while at the same time decrying to us all that he's full of it. Well, I guess in some ways he, he is. But he just he never seems to learn from being a complete knobhead. And I don't want to turn this into a, just <laughs> a pure you know, a, attack on Rory, but it just he makes so many stupid knee-jerk statements and then does a, an about-face at some point within the next 12 months. He breaks clubs, throws clubs, um, and then pretends that he's a, a, a poster boy for the youth coming through. He, he never seems to learn from it. You renaming him Rory McIlroy doesn't do justice to just how far he is from the common golfer. But apart from that, I'm I'm sure he's a good bloke. Yeah, good bloke. Oh, I'd love to have a beer with him. And there's no question, good Rory is good, but bad Rory is worse than Bryson. So, so how so, do we how do we get rid of this club throwing thing? Because it just it's such an ugly look for the game. It's such an ugly lesson for kids. But it's also such a such a pathetic thing for grown men and grown women. Not that the women do it actually, but that the grown grown men are breaking clubs and throwing clubs. How, um, how is this? How would we? 
think this is okay. Well, there is a there is a teaching philosophy in the club throw in the, this idea of, of learning a release. So, so maybe he was just working on his release down through the ball, particularly with the uh, the iron at, at caves. But the three wood into the tree. I mean, it was there, there's been a lot of discussion around them going hunting for the three wood. Like everyone knows that he threw it. I don't think anyone saw it and wasn't on video that he threw it. But to throw three woods, I mean, I think it actually needs TaylorMade and the good folk at TaylorMade to either run a, a a promotion about, you know, if they're happy with Rory to keep doing it, then let's run a competition to see who can throw the club the best or best dummy spit. Because sometimes you've got to reverse something to make it to highlight how okay. stupid so, it is. Okay, so speaking of reversing, why don't, we bring in a rule that if a club is thrown in your direction, you're allowed to throw it back at that person. Just like they're hitting the ball, like if someone hits up on you, like in sideways. You turn around and go whack. But there's a big impact and there's a big health impact of, of these things. So all of a sudden Rory doesn't time his release the way it is and someone gets hit by a club. Now he'll say, well, I'm a, you know, I'm a tour professional. I know how to throw a club. That's going to be your defence. Yeah, I'm a tour professional. I know how to throw a club. Or however they speak. It's, it's just a... Disgrace. It's petulance. And then, it's pathetic. And then he got better. He wants all golf courses to set up the same so they don't have to spend two or three days on the golf course learning its nuances. I did I did say that. I wasn't sure it was true. Like, like Rory, it, come on. And he even said that, oh, this, they're not going to, people aren't going to like what I'm about to say. But players want consistent course setups so that we don't need to spend two and three days learning a golf course and effectively doing our job or doing what a caddy's job is. He's paid because it's an entertainment product, apparently. It's not one of the greatest things about golf, the fact that every course you step on is different, is unique and has intricacies and, uh, and little things about it that make it special and unique. But no, no, let's... I mean, it is a bit rich of us to ask players earning 100 million bucks a year to, to study a course layout for an hour or so, Phil. Oh, oh dear. Heaven what? forbid. Talk about out of touch. I feel like we're turning this into a rant. Oh, we need to bring back some 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 loves, but God, that's so hatey. It, it is, it, it, but it deserves to be hatey because the reality is is that you you can't declare that we want it to be entertainment without having any clue what people watching want. Because in reality, say, yeah. you, you look at Bryson, and I'll get back to Bryson. Bryson pulls driver out of the bag, and the crowd cheers. So like it or hate it, that he tries to hit it so far, or his method. There are enough people who love it. There are enough people who love it. The crowd cheers. Now, the last time Rory got a cheer for doing something would have been holding a putt, but not because the putt was on the same greens that they saw him hole a putt the week before or the week before. This idea of consistency and entertainment. It's why in the NFL they play on synthetic turf. Synthetic. Now I'm from New Zealand. <laughs> they play on synthetic turf, and that makes me extra happy. They play on synthetic turf. They play on grass. In the NBA, you've got parquet floors and you've got different floor designs. In in every sport around the world, there is variety of turf and conditions. But he's basically saying, make the courses all exactly the same so we don't have to change work. anything. And we, yeah, so we don't have to work, but keep paying us all this money. This is the guy who said he doesn't pay for money, he plays for the growing of the game. All in the name, hang on, but this is the thing, and then the justification is all in the name of entertainment. It's an entertainment product. Now, if Rory was just talking about the FedEx Cup and three events out of the entire year, then... Still a weak argument. You might just say, well, maybe, you know, maybe just because it's a narrowed field, but 
what excites me more is the fact that potentially, like in the Tour de France, and this is a, another idea that I stole off somebody, that they have a, a yellow jersey or a climber's jersey. So they have a Lynx jersey. So the best Lynx pl- player, the best, the best person capable of putting on Bermuda Greens championship versus the, you know, Ben Grass. But you actually have different, you know, oh, you're the Lynx legend. And then you actually, in fact, it was Harry Arnett. That's who it was. Uh, you're, you know, you're a Lynx legend. You get the Lynx jersey. So that everyone's trying to hunt down. And there might be a kicker for that. Ten tournaments over the year on Lynx type courses. But Rory, we don't want oh, we don't the want same. same. It's not entertaining. You're not listening to us, Rory. You're listening to TikTok. And you're listening to the little demon in your head saying, no, chuck it. No one cares. Chuck it. They think it's funny. Chuck it. Twiddly dee potatoes. <laughs> chuck a potato as well. That's all I wanted to say about Rory. I just can't. I, I don't know. So to your point, what changes it? Um, nothing, because he's grown up doing it. And then there was a, a Patrick Kazare um, snapped a putt at like spat the dummy. And if it wasn't him, I'm really sorry. Spat the dummy, you know, having missed a short putt that would have got him into something. I wasn't paying that much attention. But snapped it over his knee and then tried to rip his hat off. And like, I, oh, I love the passion. Not really. Because if I snap a club, it's fifty bucks in a shaft or sixty bucks. I don't even know how much a shaft is these days. Yeah, that's it. They all need to. They all need to play a little bit more like Ben from Hollywell. They need to relax a little. They just, just enjoy it. And that's entertainment is relaxing and going with the flow. And you know what else was entertaining? Watching Bryson avoid chipping. That is entertaining. When someone is going out of their way to avoid, as I do, one particular part of the game, that's entertainment. <laughs> that's enthralling. It it's like watching Will Zalatoris. Stand over a two-foot putt the at the open. <laughs> it's exciting. So when Bryson ignored ignored chipping as much as he could, other than out of bunkers, and then on the seventeenth hole in regulation, had what was described as you know this should be a reasonably straightforward shot. He's got a lot of grass under the ball, and then oh yeah, he's got something going on in his head. It was probably the only comment that I agreed with Azinja, but Azinja called him out on the yips. Probably courageous given that he was twenty-seven under at that stage, but. Wow, we would make whistle. I tell you, it's going to make whistling straights tough for him, and this is something to be aware of for the Ryder Cup. This is going to make whistling straights incredibly tough. It it gives further weight to my argument that for majors they need to stop surrounding the greens with rough and start, as I said, shaving the mounds so that the ball gets run off and chipping becomes a, a far greater part of the game. Who who have been some of the better players that battled with chipping that probably ultimately cost them? Plenty of plenty of titles. I mean, Allenby um, probably springs to mind from an Australian perspective, and, and Kip will be able to talk about that uh, a bit more in, at length. But are there any others that you can think of that were just outstanding ball strikers or pretty complete everywhere else, but the chipping was the one thing that let them down? So there's two. One, another Australian who really could have been anything and was was a an outstanding player, Brett Ogle. I, won't, I don't want to be harsh and say he forgot how to chip. He, he just lost his complete chipping mojo to the point where I remember watching him practicing chipping left-handed at, uh, I was catting for a mate of mine at um, the Australian, might have been the Australian PGA at Royal Queensland in my catting debut for the Bear. And he was warming up and obviously just to get a feel, I don't, it wasn't, I don't think it was part of his game plan, but but just watching him chip left-handed. And then remember when Tiger went through the chipping yips? Yeah, that's true. That was That only lasted about three weeks. Though. Yeah, until he screamed at himself in the mirror and told him, Dave Goggin style, just to harden up. And he hardened up and then it all came back. But but it was a real, there was significant doubt within 15 metres of the green whether Tiger was actually going to hit it on the green. And it's the only time he's looked fallible. But it, it, it sticks with you for a long time. And then the next part of that was 
he's missed parts. You know, I think he was actually embracing Dad's negative visualisation a bit too much. He, all he saw was the putt missing, the difference being that, that Bryson was good enough to then hit it on the missing line. Because every putt but one missed left and was running over left edges. And there's a point, again, where you start to second guess. You, say, you know, well, Cantlay's rolling everything in and Bryson continues to run him over the left edge whilst lining up his ball at length while his caddies... Let's be honest, we were just humouring Dav, uh, letting him talk about that. Because yeah. <laughs> visualising every miss, there's not a psychologist out there that's saying, yeah, let's embrace this theory. There's very few mantras where you stand in front of the mirror and say, today I'm going to be crap. <laughs> Today I'm going to be crap. I mean, it what do they call it? Well self me, affirmation. But... What is it? What do you call this? Self. Uh, I don't know. I can't think of we'll it. We'll go with that. Um, but but then I mean, there was just only one other thing, and I, to give Dev credit when he was talking about optimal arousal levels, and it was an interesting one. Um, was watching Bryson jog off the seventeenth tee, the par three, during the playoff. He, he he just obviously needed to release some energy, so he was finding himself get too wound up, and that's what I've put it down to is that he said to his caddy, come on, let's go for a bit of a jog. And it was just to release some energy because there's a point where you get too wound up. So it was an interesting insight into how well his mind works and how acutely aware he is of everything in his body, despite the caricature. I, I loved it. I, I love it. He's, he's, he's so fascinating that at some stage there'll need to be someone prepared to have a debate around, is he better for golf or worse for golf? I think he's certainly a net positive for golf. Um God, he's frustrating at the same time as being fascinating. It's a, it's, it's a complex. He's a well, he's complex, and I guess the, um, the golf around him is as well. You just want, you just, if you could just see some humility in him, then I reckon he could win people back really quick. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Ryder Cup will be fascinating because again, it's just added to the list of people who no one wants to play with. So there was a conversation around the fact that Webb Simpson, the thing they, they were desperate for Webb Simpson to qualify, and he may still come in as a captain's pick despite having no form, because he's one of the few players who could cope with Reed. Well, Reed, Reed he doesn't look like he's playing. Oh, well, no, I think that's probably helped. And I think the fact that Reed, um, I don't know whether he's in, in hospital still or out, I think that's probably made Stricker's life a fraction easier because now they just need to find pairings for Bryson. But we know it won't be Cantlay and Bryson, it won't be Brooks. And Bryson, and it becomes it becomes a really difficult beast in a foursome. Yeah, well, you're right. Because someone's got to play alternate shot with this guy. And you'd expect Spieth to be to be playing if he he's playing. He's playing with um with Tom, JT. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting. It's going to be a really interesting mix of of characters. There's enough there's enough tension in this US team. Probably the most tension in the US team I've ever. Yeah. Like we talked a little bit about this leading to the Presidents Cup. It's ten times worse this time around. Uh, it'll be fascinating. I mean, will will they throw a lifeline to a Phil Mickelson as you know as a bit of a mediator within the team? It's yeah, it's it's oh, it's going to be fascinating. Now I'll probably just come out and just blast them away, and we look stupid. Yeah. But oh well, and it won't make any difference. But I think this is Tiger. So you move, you put Tiger in that room of all those egos, and he's probably the only guy who can just look around and go, "Shut up, shut up." Get on with it. Here's what we're doing. I'm not sure that Stricker's got that. And I don't know because I don't know Stricker from Bar of Soap. But you've got to have someone who commands... The respect. Oh, not the respect. The respect. Um, of, but it, it is that whereby he can bind them together. You don't have to be friends. We're, we've seen in many sporting teams, successful sporting teams, where people have been on the team and disliked each other but moved towards the common goal. This is an ego-packed 
So the, just as Europe is we, the US is me, and at whistling, it's going to be fascinating. And I am picking a European victory despite a lack of Euros in the top, really top 10, top 15 in the world. Come on. We did touch on, on Phil Mickelson then. <laughs> he's in back in the news again. I know he's probably done for the year if he's not going to the Ryder Cup, which is most likely unlikely. Uh, but he was um, he was talking about, or he did tweet, I think it was, uh, about the proposal, was it the... Was it the USGA proposal to shorten the length of the driver from 48 inches to 46? Did you manage to see that? Oh, I did. What's your take on it? Because we don't agree. <laughs> well, what did he say? He called it. He said it was a pathetic thing pathetic. for them to be doing. And 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 I think he's I think he's right. Um, have you got a quote? Have you actually got the quote by any chance? He just said, of course not. But he just said it was pathetic. You're making golf less fun. Um, you know, and then he, but then he went on to talk about the the, and this is where he's really lost me. With shorter clubs, you have to make a shorter, more violent swing, rather than relying on. This is, so this is where some other f- forces. So this is where we. This is where he's right, though. From a physics perspective, Phil, he is bang on. The longer the club you have, or, or rather, the longer the arc that you're using, the more the centripetal force is going to be created. Not centrifugal. Centripetal. Don't even start me on centrifugal centrifugal forces because they don't exist but the um centripetal force is created and the more club head speed basically so i mean that's it's one of the basic laws of circular motion the the longer your arc the more club head speed you're going to have so what he's saying is if the club's shorter we're going to not hit the ball as far which means we're going to try to hit the ball swing harder and therefore cause ourselves injuries now for me if (laughs) if players are going to swing harder for the gains it is true what he's saying but he obviously has a vested interest in this because he loves hitting bombs, as we keep hearing him tell us. Uh, but he has a vested interest in keeping the tech advancements in the game. What what we all need to agree on, though, around this is: do we want the game to be easier for the pros? Do we want do we want to take uh, body um, degradation that occurs with age out of the question? Or do we want to keep it as a factor? So in other words, do we want our stars playing and competing on the main tour for longer as they get older? Um, and if that is the case, well, then the change in the driver lengths would at least conceivably prevent or restrict that. Um, but on the other hand, if we're saying that that's just a part of the game and a part of life and, you know, as you get older, you have to find different ways to get around the course, then by all means restrict away. And I think it's, it starts up that conversation again um, around bifurcation and whether or not we, we need to talk about that uh, with our drivers. But I think there's there's an element and there's a few here that I need to get off my chest. One, one a shorter swing does not need to be more violent. And the word violent is outrageous <laughs> to suggest that because I swing it shorter. So is your three-wood f- swing, Phil? Have you seen me swing, Phil? A more vi- it's violent. A more violent swing than your driver swing. That is what he's suggesting because he's three-wood shorter than his driver. So, oh, that's violent. Oh, man, that wedge. That lob wedge is one of the more violent things I've ever seen. So, Phil, one one cross. Now, we're talking about a driver where you do, more than any other any other club, give it everything you've got. Uh-oh. So oh, I think you're dear. conflating two concepts here. No, no. So I'm not. Secondly, <laughs> Mickelson's settled into a 47-inch driver or 46-inch and a half-inch driver, so it's going to negatively impact on him. I know from personal experience being six foot six, I struggle with a 45-inch driver. And as soon as anything's gone any longer than that, it's just not happening. So I don't yeah, care no, about the no, distance. But, no, but your problem... No, so... But, no. And what are you? The no, no, I'm, I'm okay. Um, um, but the problem is... No, because with you, you're... 
you're a tall man, Phil, but you're all legs. You've got T-Rex arms. So you don't get these, you're not getting this wine arc to, to begin with. No, that's it. That, that is an outrageous suggestion. I actually am offended by that, just as Ben from Hollywood will be offended by that. So, so the 46-inch thing doesn't affect the majority. That is true. Secondly, you're, secondly, you are going to make more central contact proven with a drive that is shorter in length, which is going to deliver you far greater benefit than the additional length is quality of contact is going to deliver you far more distance. So if you want people to hit it further, Phil, we should yep. be trying to get them to hit it out of the middle more often rather than worrying about whether it's 48 or 46. If I was to concede anything, I'll say that it does speak to bifurcation. But I've always had a rule that if you say anything that Keegan Bradley agrees with, then you're really not going in the right direction. And Keegan came out straight away and said, I agree with you. As opposed to Matt Griffin, the flushing Australian golf pro, who came out and said, guys, golf courses are far more important than equipment. So pull your head in. Okay, so your your commentary about uh, not hitting it as flush. These are the pros. So if they want it, they're going to hit the ball consistently out of the middle. And if they don't, that's still their choice. But if they can then get a benefit from it, why should we restrict them from it? No, no, it's not about restricting them. It's he's then he's trying to argue that it's going to restrict me and you. They can get it out of the middle because all they do every day is learn to hit the ball out of the middle. To suggest that that's going to have an impact on how much fun the game is. Because Damien Schutte at five foot four or whatever you are, wants a forty eight inch wants a forty eight inch driver that all of a sudden now has to have a five degree flat lie angle, so that you can wind up and potentially hit even bigger block cuts. That that will stop the game being fun is an outrageous extension and suggestion. And pathetic is the comment that he made. It, it was the T Rex comment, wasn't it? The T Rex arms. It was that hurt. That, that, that hurt a lot. For the record, my <laughs> wingspan and my height is exactly the same. Okay, Phil. <laughs> I'm measuring it every night just before I go to bed. My wingspan. I suppose in, in some respects, so to, to Phil Mickelson's point, and this is probably more of an underlying point, why is golf so scared of growing? Because he did mention about we're at a 40-year um, a boom or, or the, the biggest boom in 40 years or something along those lines that the sport's ever had. Why is the first thing that the governing bodies do is propose restrictions? It's it's just it's antithetical to what they've their declared mission or and their goals are. But why is it why is it anti to growing the game? Why why is having a driver Because they're saying that it's going to stop people hitting it as far as they potentially could. Why have we allowed it to get to a point and now we're trying to bring it back? I guess is the Yeah, absolutely. Question. This is their guilt, is that it should never have been forty eight in the first place. But the reality is, is that when a new player is coming in it's going to take them three years of playing golf before they'll get a benefit of a 46-inch driver or a 47-inch driver because they've got to learn to make contact. So golf is not going to grow because of a 48-inch driver. People are not going to keep playing golf because they're going to benefit from the four extra yards or five extra yards of a 48-inch driver. But by the same token, if you don't want to play in a comp, then carry a 50-inch driver. So I actually just don't see the so issue. What is it, so what is it? Uh, that's my point. What, what does it hurt having it? Because if you're saying so, these people so you th can't can't make good connection and can't make, then it's not a distance issue, because they're not getting the distance that you're complaining. No, about. That, so so therefore why not? So why not just clip it back? You're just you're just envious of people who can hit it out there, Phil. Yeah, I, potentially this is also true. But there was a point where the where driver heads were getting beyond four sixty, and they said no, no, four sixty is it. So you can't go any bigger than that. 
And there wasn't any uproar about that. I mean, surely if we want to make the because game Because they said you can't go any larger than that. They haven't said we're now going to restrict it back down to 435. No, no, but they were already making bigger than 460. And then they capped it at 460. They don't, you know, tennis balls. You want to make the game easy and more in, involved, then get them hitting with tennis balls. Because I tell you what, as a new player, it's bloody easy to play hitting tennis balls. So there are a number of other solutions. And Phil's just... Phil's. I, I think you're... You're undermining my golf tennis ability, anyway. Um, brought to you on behalf of whatever his manufacturers are. I, I just don't think that he believes what he's saying. I think this is self-interest. I don't disagree. And it with means that. also that Keegan Bradley's using a 47 inch drive. <laughs> it's just, it's like it's as if Rory had actually said to them, you know, it'll stop it being entertaining. Oh yeah, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Let's go. Let's, let's go jump that. on that bandwagon. It's crap. <laughs> I'm, I feel I feel like you are not done with your rants, Phil. I feel like you have one more in you. No, I, I, what I really like, I do, but what I really like just on that distance thing is John Daly, the voice of reason. Just <laughs> Why don't you just wind the ball back a little bit? It's much cheaper. It's easier. Someone get me a beer. Um, I didn't, that whole thing wasn't a quote, <laughs> but, but I like that approach. But speaking of crap, aim point and the people yeah, who are embracing aim point when it comes to putting. I watched a highlight of someone at the Curtis Cup and I'm not going to name them. They had a three-foot putt. They stood halfway between where the ball was and the hole was and held up their fingers, went back and didn't touch the hole. What are you trying to say, Phil? <laughs> what? You don't really? buy this I mean, we... And to be fair, you are a man of many theories, often three of them in the middle of a backswing. So for you to can a theory as just out-and-out out rubbish... It... it, it... <laughs> But it won't cure the yips, so stop doing it. It's not a it's not a yip cure. We've got a few of those up our sleeve. That's not one of them. Secondly, tell me the best putter in the world using aim point right now. Who do you think the best? Tell the best. I don't know who uses it, Phil. Give me the best three putters. Oh, top of your head, let's say Spieth, Cantlay, and um, Louis or Starzan. and Louis. Aim point. No, no, and no. Um, so aim points become this mythical solution that'll make improve my putting and make me a better putter. It just slows everything down, and there's a bigger issue with aim point, and that is the whole basis for it. Mm-hmm. And you know that I've been on this rant for a, a while. The only way of it purely working is when you have what on your feet? Nothing, because you need to be able to feel the slope of the ground. In order to stand and straddle a line, you need to be able to feel the ground, and they can't because they've got this bulky EVA midsole with boost uh, foam in the heel. And uh, I feel I feel I'm actually with you on this one, Phil. I've started wearing oh, barefoot shoes. Yeah. Um, a lot of runners swear by them for that ultimate feel um, of the terrain and and also the balance for when they're running. But I, I've just started wearing them day to day, and yes, I've lost a little bit of much needed height having less sole there, Phil. But they really do make a genuine difference to the, to the feel. And it takes a little bit to get used to, but I wore them at the, um, only yesterday actually, I went to the driving range and wore them for quite a longish session and I felt far more balanced in my swing. It was, uh, it's incredible. I'd, I'm yet to try them on a green, but I'd love to test out this theory. Maybe we should try and look at some sort of myth, myth busting at some point along these lines because it's really fascinating how, how, how much you can feel the ground, like you can see, this is going to sound ridiculous, but you can see the slopes a lot more by feeling it through your feet. I would love to see a golf shoe manufacturer create some golf-specific barefoot shoes. I remember, I know True Linkswear started something off with that, you know, several years ago, something along those lines, but now they're not quite the same. It was similar, but not quite the same. And now I think they've gone right away from that altogether. So I think, yeah, I think there's something in it. But to feel the ground, to your point, 
you, you can see with your feet. I know that doesn't make sense to anyone with medical training out there, but you can. Um, but I believe, and look, I probably haven't done enough research on what aim point actually is, but when you look at them straddling a line, the, my understanding is is that they're trying to feel where what what horizontal is um, to then be able to determine what the slope is. But if you've got slant um, from the back of your heels to your toes in your shoes and you've got spikes and you've got all these other things going on, how can you possibly feel all that under your feet? So the only way of doing it, to your point, will be with barefoot shoes or barefoot. Can I just ask, have you ever hit balls barefoot? Yes, I have, season one. Did you not remember that? No, no, but actually practised barefoot, not in the barefoot versus uh, shoe. Uh, probably chopped. not. Uh, have I? Not that I recall. Because Tiger does and does routinely because it actually helps work on, on what my balance is, what okay. my actual feel is. So there's something in that. But but I'm point, like as if we need to slow the game down more, let's stand, straddle a line, hold up through two, three or four fingers because, uh, anyway, I won't go there, but let's just hold up some fingers and then go back and then not touch the hole from three feet away and then wonder why the game's slowing down too much. It's a fair point, Phil. We'll, we'll, we've got to we've got to test this further, and I'm sure we'll probably just change our minds at some point, as we tend to do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Unlike me to go back on a theory. Now, I think I think we should end on a um, on what was a it was a heartwarming. I think that's probably fair to say. It was, it was a yeah. beautiful thing to see the great Bernhard Langer uh, shooting his age on his 64th birthday. Uh, what an what, what an absolute champion. I mean, I'm just happy to shoot my age for nine holes at the moment, to be perfectly frank. But talk about German efficiency, Phil. Lange, he just keeps on and on, and at 64 shows no sign of slowing down. He's returned to number one on the Champions Tour, but it was, I mean, as a birthday gift. Like, obviously, 63 was a bridge too far for him, so he said, that's it. I'm definitely going to shoot my age on my, when I'm 64, and bugger it. I'll do it the first chance I get. Like, that's extraordinary. It did prompt me to... So I will finish with one last thing about Langer, but it did prompt me to look up or, or to ask um, if someone else had ever shot their age younger. And credit where it's due to Walter Morgan, who did shoot a 60 at the age of 61 on the seniors tour. Um, oh, yeah. I think in 2004 it might have been. But, but Langer, unbelievable. And just as a measure of the man, and just because John from Chicago will appreciate me saying it, in terms of a measure of the quality of the human that Lunger also is, John from Chicago just sent him a text congratulating him. So on his birthday evening, having shot 64 and played golf, you think it'll just go through to the keeper. Um, he replied, and I think that is a measure of the man. And on that note, we'll bring today's Tenuous Links Golf Podcast to a close. Be sure to sign up at golfbarons.com, follow us on all our socials, Insta, Facebook and YouTube, and enjoy watching Golf Barons on KO and Foxtel On Demand. Thanks again for listening, Barons, and until next time, remember to add some swagger to your swing.